Amen. Did you have a good Christmas? I had a great Christmas. I did. Um, it was great. You're going to have to kill the music on the computer. Hey, did you press record? All right, great, great. Dwayne, Dwayne was on the ball today. I forgot something, and he texted me during service and said, hey, you forgot something. And so we had to take care of it. It was great. Praise God. And so now if I can just get him to stay awake the whole sermon, then uh, I, I mean, I wore this suit just to, to help with that. But um, I had planned to wear this suit and preach this sermon last Sunday. And uh, if you notice, uh, I wasn't here because I tested positive for COVID. So I had a COVID Christmas, but praise God, it ended on December 25th. And um, there's a little music button on the side. Yeah, sorry. She, we, I didn't go over this with her. I forgot all kinds of stuff today. There you go. And so, um, so... December 25th, it's over, praise God, here I am, and uh, I am going to preach today part 36 of Trust the Story. If you haven't been here all year, that's okay, you're going to be able to dive right in. We're going to go to the book of First Peter, if you want to go there. Um, this, this entire series has been about reading the Bible as a story. <clears throat> this is a, a story, this is a book. Um, it's actually a collection of books that was written over 1,600 years by about 40 different people, but God is the author. The scripture tells us that this didn't come from some guy's thoughts or interpretation, but the Holy Spirit put it in the hearts of 40 different people to write this book, a revelation of who God is, how he is at work, not how he did work, how he has always been at work. Even before the beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Even before that, God was at work, and he has never one time ever deviated from his plan ever. I'm way more excited than you, and I'm just recovering from COVID. Guys, he has never deviated from his plan ever. And we as the church have spent 2020 acting like he has. I may mess up your Christmas, and I may mess up your, your, your nostalgic version of what like, life should be like, but I pray that today, when, you, when we're done, if you could just give me 45 minutes of your energy focus, I mean, babies cry, don't pay attention, kids pull your hair, don't pay attention, just focus with me for just a few minutes, because I think that this is a key moment for the church in this world. This is a key moment, and I think 1 Peter is going to speak to us in this. And so I titled this, God is with us. God is with us. Um, I put some great resources on Slack for 1 Peter. If you haven't looked at them, I'd encourage you to. Next week, we're going to look at 2 Timothy, so keep going along. At first, when we were in this series, I'm like, God, we're not even going to have a Christmas series, and we're not even going to, you know, like do all of the Christmas stuff, and I love Christmas, and yet somehow all of these things have kind of fallen into place and Christmas has been a part of every message I've preached and Christmas is here today too. I even brought my, my ornament of the week and uh, I brought my Christmas cup, which was a gift from Pastor John back in 2015. And it is no secret that I love Christmas. 
I always have. And I don't just love it in December. I love everything about it all the time. I listen to Christmas music all the time. I don't need snow. It can be 85 degrees in the summer with 90% humidity, and I can be feeling Christmas because Christmas isn't nostalgia. It's not about lights and trees and garland and cards and family and food and all of this lovely stuff around us. It's about Jesus coming to earth so God could be with us. And he is with us. He's not a baby in a manger. We've made this, the story of Christmas, this nostalgic, oh, look at the cute little baby laying in hay in the wooden manger. And it's not even really what happened in the Bible. It's not even there. We skip over Matthew. I mean, we don't want to read about all of the two-year-old babies being murdered. I mean, why would we want to read that? That ruins Christmas. And we are, we're longing for this nostalgic Christmas and we're missing the ushering in of the kingdom of God that is taking place right now on the earth. Amen. That's good, Pastor Tom. Let me tell you something. For me, I love the song Silver Bells. You know the line from Silver Bells? Even the stoplights blink a bright red and green. <laughs> Did you ever notice they always do that? But my point is, whenever I look at anything, I see Christmas. You don't have to be weird like me. You don't have to wear a suit. You don't have to wear red and green socks. But let me tell you about the red and green socks. When I coached cross country, the first year that we had a chance to win the region, the boys were like, hey, if we win, what will you buy us? I don't get that about this generation. I mean, winning is its own reward. I mean, you're region champions. What do you need? But uh, to motivate them, you know, I understand the whole motivation process. And they're like, buy us Nike Elites, the socks. I'm like, they're $15 a pair. I'm not buying you Nike Elites. I'd have to raise the money. I'd have to figure this out. They're like, what if they were Christmas ones? See, you just got to know <laughs> who you're talking to. And so I did. We bought Christmas socks all those years ago, and I was surprised that high schoolers would wear Christmas socks, one red, one green sock. And we have been wearing them for years, and we've been on the state, state champion podiums, and there are our pictures in all the glory of red and green socks. And people still today are like, why are you wearing red and green socks? And Because I, I love Christmas, and I love everything that Christmas stands for. But I don't know if you understand, there's no call anywhere in this book to celebrate Christmas. There's no call for remembering the manger. There's no call for, you know, having this war, get people to say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. I mean, there's, there's no call for it. I mean, there is a call to remember that he came and why he came and what that means for us, but there is no, no call to have a Christmas celebration. We don't need it. Now, I love it. I want it. I'm not going to try to ruin it. You do whatever you want to do. Have your, have your traditions. Have your family. Have your life. In fact, I remember as a kid, man, we used to fight over whether Santa could be a part in the church. And we, we used to, like, fight over whether a Christmas tree, usually we have a tree, but we're moving, so there's no tree. But the, I remember as a kid, you can't put a Christmas tree on the platform, But if you put it down there on the floor, see, this is what we do in the church. We get so hung up on things that just don't matter, and we miss the things that matter. I mean, we get hung up on our traditions. We, we, oh, everyone needs to say Merry Christmas. Even this stupid cup 
Back in 2015, Starbucks had the audacity to just make a plain red Christmas cup. And so there was a war on Christmas. You might have saw the Facebook post, Starbucks is trying to take Christ out of Christmas because they took Santa and reindeer and snowflakes off their cup. And even though they said it's all about just the simplicity of the holiday, no, it's about a war on Christmas. Guys, there's no war on Christmas, at least not for me. I'm winning. I mean, you wore all you want, and I'm just going to embrace everything because I can find Jesus in that cup. I can find Jesus in that Santa. I can find Jesus in this suit. I could preach this suit if I wanted to. Because it doesn't matter what anybody around me does. It doesn't matter what anything around me, anything around me is happening. It's in here. He is with us. That's the whole point. And so if we never got to celebrate another Christmas the way we ever did before, it's okay. I mean, Christmas originated around Constantine, around 300 years after Jesus was even, was even gone. 300 years later. And they picked December 25th, not because that's most likely when Jesus was born, but because there was already another Roman holiday happening at the time that celebrated the lengthening of days, the winter solstice, the sun god. And so they took Christianity, Christ, the mass of Christ's birth, and they started celebrating it around their pagan holiday because they wanted to keep their, their traditions, but they also wanted to love Jesus. Kind of sounds like the American church. I mean, we want to keep, we want to cling to the things we love, our traditions, our nostalgia, our buildings, our, our services, our programs. We, we don't want to lose anything. But and here's the thing. They're not bad. We can use them to promote the kingdom. But they're not necessary. And so we got to make sure we're, right, we're fighting the right battle. we got to make sure we're fighting with the right methods. And we got to make sure we're fighting for the right reasons. Because if any of those are off, we're off. Because you can fight the right battle, and you can fight with the right method, but you can fight for the wrong reason. And you can fight the wrong battle totally. We don't need Christmas. I mean, it's already been written. It's done. And I'm going to show you from 1 Peter, it was done before he said in the beginning. It's done. Sealed. Done. Relax. It's done. I mean, I, could, I couldn't have had a worse Christmas, really. I mean, I'm in a basement. My son hasn't even been able to come home yet because we've been quarantined. And, I, and yet, it was Christmas. And every day's Christmas for me. So I couldn't have happened to someone better because I don't need anything. I love Christmas. But do you know what Christmas is about? It's about the Father, even while we were his enemies, lavishing love on us. Even while we were his enemies, even before the foundation of the world, even before he said, let there be light, it's not like in the garden, he was like, oh man, they messed that up, what do we do? New from the beginning. Jesus willingly crucified himself before the foundation of the world. I'm going to show you that from the Bible in just a second, but... Well, let me show you this one from Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Okay? And why did he do it? Because God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. He chose you before he created you. He chose you before he created plants. He chose us. And he chose us to put his spirit in us. 
In the book of Romans, Paul is talking about the gift of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives. And look at what he says. If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't care what political party is against you. I don't care what disease is against you. I don't care what virus is against you because God is for me. And he gave his son, why would he hold anything else back? And do you know he gives us all things? Do you know what all things is? The Holy Spirit. He is God with us. This entire book from beginning to end is about God saying, I'm gonna get my spirit in them. I'm gonna put a new heart in them. I'm gonna write my laws on their hearts. I'm gonna put myself in them. That's been the point all along. And so when you put faith in Jesus, guess who lives in you? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. No, God himself lives in you. But I don't feel like it. Doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you feel like it. You don't have to feel like it because he is the assurance of your salvation. He's in you. It doesn't matter how you feel. He is your feelings. He is everything. He is your peace. He is your hope. He's your joy. He's your endurance. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can do everything through him. Who lives in you? I, don't have, I need more patience. False. You don't need any more patience because you have the Holy Spirit and he never runs out. He lives in you. You just don't believe it. We don't. We don't believe it. So we run around like crazy saying, oh, I just need more patience. I just need more love. I, I just can't get rid of this. You have everything. He's in you. He's there. This is so amazing. And some of us are waiting for like, well, I, I got to wait for it to, to kick in. He's not your morning cup of coffee. He's already there, and you just, walk, you just walk in it. You just live it out, and you're like, what does this have to do with Peter? Oh, because this is what Peter is writing to. He's writing to a church that is like, what happened? I mean, we've talked about the apostles who've written books of the Bible, Peter, James, John, Paul. What about the other eight apostles? Did you know that every apostle except for John was killed? Do you know that Thomas, the one that doubted, went to India? Yeah, and he gave his life for Christ trying to present the gospel in India. That, doesn't, that just ruins Christmas, doesn't it? I mean, that's not, that's not nostalgia. That's not like, man, I want, my, I want a Norman Rockwell painting. See, the church, for so long, we've believed that Jesus is coming back. And he's going to set up his kingdom here. And the, the world, we believe, our theology is that this place is going to go crazy. And too many of us are trying to get a Norman Rockwell painting of our lives. And God's like, I have equipped you for this moment. Just start living the kingdom right now. You don't have to change anything. And that's what Peter is trying to write to these people about. Because some of them are being killed. Some of them are having things stolen from them. So it's not working out the way that they thought. And so they're facing hardship and they're facing suffering and they're spread out. And Peter writes to them and he says, do not get hung up on anything that's not essential. Don't get hung up on anything that's not essential. The kingdom is essential. And no situation in your life, this is my synopsis of Peter in a nutshell right here. No situation 
No role in your life has to change for you to serve God and to advance the kingdom. It can happen right from where you are, right as you are. It's already done. Everything you needed was done. We act like, like we, even, we even romanticize America. We do. We romanticize our country and we're like, we just got to get back to our roots. We got to get back to a prayer meeting. As if somehow America has ever been able to earn its right standing before God. The only right standing anyone ever has before God is Jesus. Now, I'm not against going back to prayer meetings, and I'm not against going back to morality. I'm not against going back to anything. Wrong battle. Kingdom can advance no matter what. And look a little deeper into some of our founding fathers, because some of them cut things out of the Bible they didn't like, much the way we do today. Okay, so not all of them were born again, I believe Jesus died for my sin, followers of Christ. And instead of trying to get back to something that maybe never even existed, let's just press into what's ahead of us. Because before America was founded, before God said, let there be light, his plan was finished, done. And we don't have to worry because it's going to work he wins every time we can act like we win even when it feels like we're losing some of you are like COVID has messed with you Pastor Tom you are crazy but Peter says over and over arm yourself with the same mind that Christ had be prepared to suffer because some of the very things that God is planning to use to prepare us for the next season, some of us are crying out for him to get us out of. God, get us out of this. And he's like, well, I really was hoping that that would mold your character so you were ready for what came next. No, get us out of this. I want my painting. I want my Norman Rockwell. I want my coffee with Jesus in the morning. I mean, as if I can't have my quiet time with Jesus and a cup of coffee in the morning, then all hell is about to break loose. Some days you have it, some days you don't. And you don't have to have a war room closet with all of the pictures on the wall the way war room did it. Jesus just went somewhere when he needed to pray. It was in the morning. It was in the afternoon. It was in the evening. He just went. And we're trying to get this perfect, perfect situation scenario. And he's like, just do it. It's going to be messy. The whole point of Christmas is it's not going to look anything like you expected. And it's okay. I'm not saying don't try to have a quiet time. I'm not saying don't, I mean, I love sitting by the Christmas tree with a cup of coffee in the morning. COVID tried to steal that from me, but it came back yesterday, praise God. But guess what? From a basement bedroom, when you feel like, uh, he's still present. And the prayers are not nearly as effective and beautiful and polished, but he's right there. And I'm gonna win. Because he said so. And Peter writes this book and he's trying to give them confidence and he's trying to give them clarity. And look, let's go right to the beginning of the book. First Peter chapter one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered. Look, at the, they're scattered through all these places. They're scattered because they're being persecuted. They're scattered because things aren't working out the way they expected. They're scattered because they're on the run. But look at this, guys. You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Done. 
Every single one of you that have put faith in Christ, you were chosen by the foreknowledge of God before he said, you were found before you were lost. That is so good. I didn't write it, Hillsong wrote it. You were found before you were even lost. That's the foreknowledge of God. So I know things are hard. I know things might not be working out the way you expected, but guess what? His plan is already written. You gotta believe it. <laughs> You've been chosen through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Oh, praise God. He's already doing the work. He does all the heavy lifting to be obedient to Christ Jesus and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours, you know, in, in, in most measure. No, in abundance, in abundance. Oh, I need grace. You know, when you wake up crabby, don't reach for Folgers in your cup. Reach for Jesus. I'm going into the throne room today because I need grace and I need mercy and I need it quick and I need it in abundance. And I'm not going to wait till I feel it. I'm going to start acting it because I know it's coming. I know I have it. I don't need to pray, oh, God, help me to be patient with this person. I already have the Holy Spirit in me. Holy Spirit, I'm going to be patient today because you're in me. Oops, screwed that one up. Holy Spirit, man, did I let that one get away. What was I thinking? I need grace to do that better the next time. Shame, guilt, condemnation, gone. Oh, no, just sit and sulk for a little bit about how much you screwed up. Oh, sit and sulk for a little bit about, well, you can never get your quiet time, right? Well, you can never get that, that temper under control. Well, you can never get that addiction settled. Well, you can, before the foundation of the world, you were chosen by the foreknowledge of God, and it is done. You've got to live it. And we cannot let what's happening out here affect what's going on in here. And this is what Peter says from the beginning. Don't trap me in a basement for 10 days. This is just crazy. I've been dying to tell you this. Okay, so look at this. He even keeps our inheritance in heaven. It's totally safe. <laughs> He's keeping it for us. I love this. Oh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's keep going. Verse 6. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now... For a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. This, some of, again, stolen, property stolen. I mean, anyone in this room had all of your property, all of your property stolen from you? Anybody in this room been tortured? Anybody in this room been killed? Because these are the, tr the, the trials that they're facing for just a little while. Guys, and, it, and it, Peter is like, but <laughs> this is okay. Because this is just going to, the enemy's going to try to do this. He's going to try to destroy you. But guess what? God's going to use that because nothing is ever wasted with God. He's going to use this. He is going to make you, your, the testing of your faith, it's worth greater than gold. And it perishes. It's going to, it's going to, be as a result for his praise and his glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy and you're receiving the end result, the salvation of your souls. But with minds that are alert and fully sober, see, you're not just gonna drift into this. You gotta tell yourself every single day, this is true. 
The Spirit of God lives in me. It's true. I have the Holy Spirit. I have God himself. I don't care what you think the Holy Spirit is. He is God. And he lives in every person who puts faith in Jesus Christ. So you got everything you need. Peter's going to say in his second letter, everything you need for life and godliness now lives in you. But if, if you're going to wait for it, if you're going to wait till the feelings happen, if you're going to wait till the, all the sin stops, it's not, it's not going to work that way. Peter's like, you're, you've got to understand this. This is who, you've just got to refuse to quit. You've got to be alert. You've got to pay attention. You've got to settle this. And so then, then look at what he says in chapter two. So get rid of all of the stuff. Because guess what? Sin is going to weigh you down. And so he starts with the really good sin. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. The acceptable sins. I mean, thank God I'm, I'm not, you know, addicted to, you know, drugs or alcohol. And thank God I'm not addicted to pornography or sexual immorality. I just got a little malice to see. Guys, if we keep running our mouths, this is what's, why is the church so weak right now? Because this. Because our enemies spew stuff at us and we spew it right back. We haven't even learned to control our tongue yet. We're, we're fighting the wrong battle, wrong method, wrong reason. And Peter's like, get this stuff out of you. Crave true spiritual milk. Grow up in your salvation. Hey, guess what? Your salvation's already done, but you gotta grow up in it. Look, you're not, this is who you are. You're a, a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. And the whole point is that you declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So how much of your mouth is giving praise to God throughout the day and how much of your mouth is complaining about our circumstances today? Well, if we could just get this thing fixed, if we could just get this worked out, and there'll always be something. There'll always be something. There'll always be something that we gotta get worked out. But Peter's like, no, this is who you are. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. You once didn't have mercy, but now you have received mercy. Know who you are. And he tells them clearly in verse 11, I urge you, you are foreigners, you are exiles. Abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. If you think you can live in this perpetual victory, growing up in our salvation, and yet stay in sexual immorality, you're fooling yourself. If you think we can stay in slander and gossip, you're fooling yourself. These things will weigh us down and they will destroy us. We will not walk in victory. We have to wage war, but we wage war from the place of the finished work, not trying to finish the work. It's already been done. I don't have to worry about what other people are saying about me. I don't even have to worry about my own thoughts towards myself. Because he thinks way better thoughts towards me than I think about myself. I'm, I keep failing. I keep messing up. I keep doing it wrong. I keep putting my foot in my mouth. I, keep, I mean, I had such high hopes for these 10 days of isolation. I was going to read. I was going to sit in the presence of Jesus and just soak. Hard to do when you just feel like, Bleh. But some of us are trapped in that cycle of, oh, I just got to get to this 
there's nowhere to go. Just start releasing the kingdom. And look at what he says. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent to punish those who do wrong, to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, selfishness. Live as God's slave. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. What's Peter doing? He's saying, guys, these things don't matter. Who your leader is does not matter. I mean, it could be more helpful, it could be more advantageous, but the kingdom does not need any of us. The kingdom is finished. It's been finished. And so it doesn't matter who your boss is. It doesn't matter who your spouse is. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It, none of it matters. Peter's like, you, you're spending all of your energy. This is the same guy that tried to cut off the guy's ear that tried to overthrow the Roman Empire because that's what he thought the Messiah was going to do. And he's finally come to the point where he's like, none of that matters. I don't care if it's Rome. I don't care if it's another kingdom. I don't care because the kingdom is going forward and ain't nobody going to stop it. Can't be stopped. Slaves. I mean, why doesn't Peter say slavery is evil? We should do away with slavery because it doesn't matter. Peter's like, if you can get your freedom, get your freedom. But if you can't, just serve God there. Huh? Just serve God there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we argue about, well, <clears throat> who's, who's the leader of the church? Who's the leader in the house? Is it the husband? Is it the wife? Is it? And Peter's like, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's leader. It, I mean, we're, well, if we just get a different person up front, Peter's like, whoever's up front, just submit to them. Love them, honor them, respect them. Doesn't matter because the kingdom can't be stopped. In fact, if you live this way, when the, kingdom, when, the, when the world is trying to force you to live another way, you actually diffuse it. You diffuse it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. He left you an example, following his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, they did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. How are we doing? Is that how we're responding right now? If that person wants to type that thing about me on Facebook, I'm going to type this thing about them. I fear the church is not armed to suffer. And Peter goes into chapter three and he talks about wives and husbands. This is how we live. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't believe Peter, I don't believe this book is advocating a hierarchy that has to be in place in order for the kingdom of God to manifest on earth. Meaning, 
The kingdom isn't going to come if the husband isn't doing this and the wife isn't doing this and the pastor isn't doing this and the elder isn't doing this and if this one guy's not in charge calling all the shots and if no women are in leadership and we get hung up and I think the Bible writers are saying that stuff doesn't even matter. In fact, if you want to do the best way, I think the best way is learning to live in the mutual submission, humility, and love that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit live in. But how do you do that? Somebody's got to be in charge. Someone's got to make the final call. Someone, someone has to. And so it's hard to live in this mutual submission. And I don't think the writers are saying, hey, if this isn't the hierarchy that you've got in the church, and if this isn't the hierarchy you've got in your home, if you, and so what they do is they write to the person. Wives, there are verses written to you. Husbands, there are verses written to you. Husbands, you don't go to the wife verse and tell your wife how to behave. Wife, you don't go to the husband verse and tell your husband how to behave. The, the point is, those are non-essential. We think that they make a big difference. But the problem is, we can conform all of our outward behaviors and all of our outward stuff, and we can present this nostalgic picture of what the church looks like, and our hearts be in the total wrong place total wrong place. And Peter's like, just live in this place of freedom, this place of mutual submission to one another, where everybody, look at how he concludes this section. All of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. Repay evil with blessing. Highlight that in your Bible today. And every time this week someone is evil to you, bless them. Thus is the Lord's will for us. There we go. It's that simple. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. See, if someone's evil to you and you return evil, no blessing. But if you understand, I got the kingdom. You're being evil to me. If God is for me, who are you to be against me? I bless you. Oh, I know, that's like, well, Pastor John, that's not real. Like, that's, you, you can't live that way. Yeah, you can. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, stop believing the lie. Oh, we can't live that way. We can't treat people that way. I mean, come on, you got to be realistic. We could lose our lives. Yeah, they did. We could lose our property. Yeah, they did. But the kingdom might actually advance. So instead, we're fighting for our Christmas traditions. We're fighting for our church traditions so that we are eventually going to lose all of those things. So we're fighting to keep things that we can't even keep. And we're letting go of things that last forever. And by the way, the enemies that are cursing us, they are the mission field. They are the mission field. They're the goal. That's the point. And if I have to have a few messed up Christmases or a few messed up Sunday services or the rest of my days on earth messed up for eternal things, let's do it. In chapter four, therefore, as he starts to conclude, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with this same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they don't live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires. 
but for the will of God. The end of all things is near. Be alert, be of sober mind so that you may pray. I've never in my, in my life understood why in America we fight to get prayer reinstituted in schools when we don't pray at church. I just don't understand. I don't. Because we, we need the nostalgia of, you know, I grew up having silent meditation in school. I grew up in a Christian home. And I guarantee you most of the time during silent meditation, I didn't pray. But we had it. And now we've told our kids, oh, you, you can't pray in school. Hogwash. You can pray anywhere you want to pray. God is in you. <laughs> Who's going to stop you? Oh, well, Chris, teachers, teachers can't pray. Uh, yeah, you can. You just can't pray out loud and lead students in prayer. And do it anyway. <laughs> oh, I might lose my job. He'll get you a better one. I mean, I, we just don't need it. We don't need it. The kingdom can advance with a prayer under your breath. You can walk into a classroom and release the kingdom all over those students. <laughs> Every single day. And nobody can stop you. But we've been fighting, oh, for this thing that we can't get and we're not ever going to be able to keep. These ordeals, look at this. Each of you use whatever gift you have to serve others, God's grace in its various forms. Man, I know I'm all over the place today. I'm hoping you're catching the drift. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. Rejoice! You're participating in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See here, Peter goes back to 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm not even going to say this. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders, Oh, they're hierarchy in the church. So I'm the pastor, I'm the elder. You all have to do everything I say. No, that's not what the Bible says at all. I don't even want that. I don't even do everything I say because I'm imperfect. And the, he's not instituting this hierarchy where there's one guy that calls all the shots. Look around the landscape of the American church at these one guys that have called all the shots. And how those one guys have fallen into moral failures and fallen into financial failures because all of the pressure on one guy is not how it's supposed to work. Nobody's supposed to be like that except Jesus. Peter's not saying it has to be this way. Look what his next words are. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. There's not a demanded hierarchy in the kingdom. The kingdom can advance no matter what the hierarchy is. In fact, unbelieving spouse, kingdom can still advance. Doesn't matter. Unbelieving boss, kingdom can still advance. Doesn't matter. Unbelieving president, kingdom can still advance. It just doesn't matter. And we're trying to get all these clearly defined roles because we like our roles and we like everything precious and perfect and picturesque. And God's like, it's never going to be like that. It's always going to be messy, but I am with you. Hallelujah. And if you get to have a picture-perfect Christmas, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't sit there and fret about, well, we may never get one of these again. No, just enjoy it. 
Well, I feel bad for people like Pastor Tom that's not enjoying it. Don't do that. Enjoy it. If you have your family around you, love them. If you want to decorate your body, <laughs> do it. I'm not opposed to anything cultural, but we don't need it. So don't get hung up on it. Make sure you keep fighting the right battle with the right method with, for the right reason. And just start releasing the kingdom everywhere you go. We, man, we can do this. I just, I just believe, oh, I believe we are on the verge of something that none of us has any idea. I mean, we think we do. We're moving out of this building. We're going to go somewhere else. There's going to be all kinds of problems, by the way. Things aren't going to go right. Things are going to get messed up sometimes. I'm totally okay with it, almost, because it's okay, because I've resigned myself to the fact that life is just never going to be the way I expect. And so I'm going to live right now in its fullness. And if we do that together, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where we're going to meet. I, mean, I do. We're going to meet at the Fine Arts Center. But beyond that, I don't know. I don't know what's about to happen. But I know this. The kingdom is going to come to Huron in a way that none of us expected. And it's not just us. There are other churches out there too that are saying really cool stuff. I mean, the James River Church, Jeff and Autumn always blow my mind. And I, the things that God uses them to do and say, the, this city is just about to explode. Pastor Nick at Open Bible, same stuff. Pastor Tom Christensen at Hope Lutheran Church, love him. I'm going to tell you what, people, there are going to be churches that are on the cutting edge of what God is about to do in this city, and some of you are going to be like, are they even saved? <laughs> yep, it's going to be so crazy cool. But here's the key verse that you're going to have to remember, okay? Here you go. Are you ready for it? It's the ending of 1 Peter. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Take it from somebody who battles anxiety constantly. This isn't easy, but it can be done. And in the moment of anxiety, I don't need relief. I just need to be reminded he cares for me, that I was found before I was lost. <laughs> and this is a mess right now, <laughs> but I'm found. I don't know how all this is going to work out. This is certainly not how I planned it, but I'm found. I'm found. Be alert and of sober mind. You might need help with this. You might need a friend to help you be alert, to help you be of sober mind because there is an enemy. Church, there is an enemy. He is not flesh and blood, but he prowls around like a roaring lion. No teeth, though. No teeth. He's been disarmed. Okay? Colossians. Disarmed every ruler, principality, power at the cross. Done. No teeth. So he'll roar. But if you stay alert and you stay in sober mind and you just resist him, 
Some days he's going to roar and your knees are going to knock and you're going to be like, I'm resisting, I'm resisting. And some days you're going to give in for a moment and you're going to realize, ah, and your friend is going to say, be alert, be sober mind, resist him. Come on, stand firm in the faith. You know that believers throughout the world are all going under the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So be it. You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. You can do this. I can do this. We can do this. Hey, it may get a little harder from here, but I want you to think for a moment. Remember that I told you that Peter was about confidence and clarity. Right there, confidence and clarity. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. He is with you. I'm casting anxiety on him. I'm doing it. What can stop me? He is for me. Who can be against me? I'm not gonna get hung up on the things that are not essential. I'm gonna press on. But let me ask you this. If the Bible is true and this world and everything in it is going to pass away, as that day approaches, is it going to look more like a Norman Walkwell painting or more like a sci-fi movie? It's going to get hard. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I'm leaving you peace, he said. I don't know, some of you, I know this is just ruining Christmas, but I got to say it because he's even told us not to cling to our families. Listen to me. Don't even cling to your family, he says. Some of you may lose loved ones. Some of you may have loved ones in front of you killed, murdered. It's happened. It's, it's in this book. And guys, if, if we're not ready for it, our faith will be shaken. I'm not trying to like poo-poo your, your holiday here. But we've got to understand where we're headed. And it's going to be okay because in the end, nobody can stop you. No one can take anything from you. Because he's storing it in heaven for us. Now I wish... My hope for this entire body is that for the remainder of our days on earth, we get the Norman Walkwell painting. I'm still going to wear the Christmas suit. In fact, I'm going to wear one next Sunday because I'm not opposed to it. But even if he slay me, yet will I praise him, my Savior and my God. And so, Father... We have no idea. We have no idea what's, what's on the horizon of our lives. We don't even know what the next three hours of our lives hold. We don't know whether there's sickness, disease, famine, bombs, earthquakes. We don't know. <laughs> but this we know. Before the foundation of the world, you chose us. In Christ Jesus. And you are for us. And you've put yourself, your spirit, in us as a deposit, guaranteeing it. And God, I pray that through the crazy words I've spoken today, 
that somehow you would take that message and that you would just implant it deep in the, the heart of every person who's hearing me right now. If God is for us, who can be against us? I pray, God, that for every single one of us, from this day on, everything changes. Every reaction changes. God, we don't need the circumstances of our life to change. We just need our eyes to be opened to the realities of heaven through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray cause every person today to overflow with hope by the power of your Spirit. Father, I pray blessing. I pray peace. I pray hope and grace and power over every member of Restoration Church today. Father, I pray that no matter what happens today, this week, next month, that we would live in the realities of this season, that you are with us. Forgive us for fighting the wrong battles. Forgive us for fighting with wrong methods. Forgive us for fighting for wrong reasons. And Holy Spirit, give us confidence and clarity to fight the right battles, to fight with the right methods, and to fight for the right reasons so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning. And uh, we're going to dismiss from back to front. Our hosts will come and dismiss. We do ask if you can't social distance that if you could wear a mask when you're visiting with others. Otherwise, uh, try to social distance as much as you can. God bless you as you go. Merry Christmas. <laughs>